Godzilla made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the 3 and D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever you need to do on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than the host of the 3ND Podcast, GBB Senior Staff Writer, uh, the leader in our GBB Fantasy Basketball League, a.k.a. Coach Lewis, a.k.a. Store Brand Justin Timberlake, a.k.a. Justin Timberfake. It is Justin Lewis. Justin, what's up, man? That is the best introduction that I've gotten on a podcast. I appreciate that. It, it was a good little blend. You know, I, I gave you your props, gave you your credit, but I also just had to roast you for a little bit with the uh, the Justin Timberlake puns. So, but hey, it, it's a dope username. Uh, you've gotten compliments from uh, Jonathan Charix on it before. So, I mean, that means, you know, it's a good username. For sure. But man, man how, how's it going? Man, it's going. Just um, finishing up the school year. Uh, we're getting ready to hold tryouts for our basketball team for next year. And, um just taking care of the family absolutely and i know none of y'all can see uh the zoom call right now but both justin and i are wearing old miss shirts representing hottie nation rebel nation even though we're not that good at basketball we just lost a series against arkansas we still got to represent because it is the best school out there it's best school in the region sorry memphis fans. sorry tennessee fans but we just had to do it but you know what i'm not having justin on the show here to talk about Justin Timberlake or to talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. We are going to be talking about, you know, some of his favorite players, some of the, the things he's liked in the offense. So Justin, you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Awesome. Not to get into myself a little bit. I don't want to be a narcissist or anything, but as we're recording, I had recently written a post on the blog uh, and Joe Mullinax, shout out to him for the fantastic title of, Finally, the Grizzlies have shooters. And I did a nice little uh, deep dive because, you know, you have De'Anthony Melton, Grayson Allen, Destin Bain. They're often pitted against each other where I think that's fair to talk about because you're going to have rotation decisions coming along. But, Justin, I think it's fair that we need to also acknowledge the fact that the Grizzlies are striking this balance of – quality and quantity on three-point shooters and that's something that we haven't really seen in memphis arguably since the mike miller shane battier james posey days yeah for sure um since since those days you've, you've had like the one guy on the roster that could knock it down a shot here and there like troy daniels but he wasn't a rotation guy because he couldn't play defense, and he was really one-dimensional. Um, OJ could knock down some shots. Rudy was streaky. Um, you know, Mike Conley was was your 
your best three point shooter for a couple of years. Um, to have three to four guys, and then Jaron's gonna come back and make it another guy uh, on this roster that can knock down three point shots is a is definitely a luxury. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I was even in the deep dive. I was I did it to where I generated the number of players who qualified for the three point leader dashboard, whether that was by games played, attempts. Uh, from the past 20 years, as long as Memphis has been, or the Grizzlies have been in Memphis, because I don't count camp Vancouver. None of us really watched Vancouver Grizzlies basketball. Justin, you're a lot older than me, but I was a baby when they were in Vancouver. So I obviously didn't know what they were like in Vancouver. But this season, the Grizzlies had the most players shooting at least a league average percentage from three. And franchise history tied with the 2016-17 Grizzlies who also had four but also that league average percentage was one percentage point lower than it is now it's at 37 point 36.7% you had the Anthony Melton Desmond Payne Grayson Allen and Kyle Anderson uh all shooting league average from 3 i think the really interesting thing with 2016-17 is that it was Mike Conley Mark Gasol or Vince Carter Troy Daniels I think it was very interesting because right now you have it to where you have your complimentary guys shooting 40 plus percent from three shooting league average from three. But with the 2016, 17 Grizzlies, it was your two best offensive weapons. And so I do want to ask you, it's just with that quality and quantity, it's really cool to see it out of the complimentary guys because you want to surround at least in right now, this iteration of the Grizzlies without Jaron Jackson jr. You want to surround jaw and Jonas with, the right amount of shooting because it opens up everything for them to attack in the paint and for them to operate in the pick and roll. Do you see something similar like that? Yeah. So ideally you would want one of these three guys between Melton, Bain and, and Grayson to be a little bit bigger guys so that you could run mm -hmm. small ball four with them. And then you could spread the floor with all three of them out there and, and give those lanes for, for John and Jonas to run the pick and roll and do all that. Um, this, the current makeup of the roster um, they've done a good job. I think they've hit gold on these guys with uh, being able to spread the floor because Jaw doesn't spread the floor on his own. He's he's going to drive. He leads um, – well, he's tops in the league mm -hmm. in drives per game. He was at 19.5 earlier in the season, which I think was fourth in the NBA at the time. Um, and when he drives, it's either going to be, hey, I'm going to throw it up and balance units so you can get the rebound if I miss it. I'm going to throw it up and hit some crazy – uh, magical shot that nobody else can do, or I'm going to drive in, I'm going to kick it out to one of my guys who can knock it down. Um, and this is really the first time that we've had a point guard um, that could attack as well as he can. Mike can attack um, or could attack, but he he wasn't as aggressive to the rim because he wasn't as athletic as Ja is. So Ja gets into the paint better than any point guard we've ever had, and he's had the weapons uh, that make it easier for him to get in the paint but also encourages him to get there as well whereas mike didn't really have the guys to kick out to number one but it's something that you've mentioned in the past is there wasn't as good spacing in the grit and grind mm -hmm. uh grizzlies with zebo and marcus all being down there um so with, with the, the way the nba is going um i think this front office has like almost in a sneaky kind of way done an excellent job building around jaw and it was just kind of like oh this was unexpected, but here we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a point that you mentioned earlier in your point, and it was about shooting with size. Like, I wish that they can, there could be like a little growth spurt for like D'Anthony Melton 
or Grayson Allen, because I think if those guys were like six, seven, six, eight, then you're talking about like Gordon Hayward and Kawhi Leonard, basically, it seems <laughs> like. But no, like I, I do think one thing that's going to be a very important down the road, because like you mentioned small ball basketball, because this team is really going to be at its apex with Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five because of how well he gets space the floor and just in turn, if you had four shooters around John Morant, just think about what you're doing for him, especially as a driver that attacks and tries to finish inside, tries to baptize people sometimes, but also a guy that relishes the opportunity to feed his teammates and get them going from deep as well. And I, I just really want to see them go after some shooting with size. Uh, I mentioned in, in my article, I, I mean, I think Kyle Anderson's done an awesome job with his progression, but you also want to see the sustainability in that. I don't see any reason to, to doubt the sustainability because even his slumps have been like 32%. So that's pretty solid. Like if that's your slump, you're doing pretty good shooting the basketball. But I mean, Dylan Brooks, I, I'm this could that would be like a, an hour long podcast, but we know he's inconsistent. You, you'll probably screen record that. You'll probably say that forever and <laughs> me calling Dylan Brooks inconsistent, but it's true because there are actually some months where, you know, he'll shoot above 40% from three, but there's months that he will shoot sub 30%. There's that inconsistency. Granted, it's nice because it can carry you through a game. It can carry you through a Jonas struggle or a jaw struggle. But at the end of the day, he's an inconsistent shooter. And that's why he trends more towards that uh, 30 to 35% three point shooting instead of that uh, 36 to 40, at least going forward. And in Justice Winslow, we don't know what we're going to get out of him when he's healthy. I mean, if he's healthy, I mean, he shot 38% in his last healthy seasons, but that was also 2017, 18, 2018, 19. That's two years ago, man. Like, we don't know what it's, what it's going to be like anymore. So I would really like to see them go after shooting with size. Uh, one thing I want to ask you, too, as far as these particular guys, their performance shooting, do you like – how they're getting their shots. Do you think coach should be looking to design more sets to get these guys open threes? Or do you think it's just going to be simply relocating off of drives for either John Morant, Tyus Jones, or even a team collapsing on Jonas Valanciunas in the post? Yeah. So I, I would say that because we've got three guys that do an excellent job at the relocating on the drive, um, whether it's uh, flashing down to the corner on a baseline drive or, or moving up from the corner when a guy drives in, um, especially for Bain being a rookie, he, he relocates extremely well uh, to get the open looks. Grayson Allen uh, does a good job of, of – I see him sliding down to the corner a lot, even though his favorite spot is on the wing. Um, he's not afraid to shoot it from the corner. Um, I, I'd like to see maybe a few sets here and there where you get guys like Bain or Allen, um, some open looks when they're feeling it. But it seems like even without sets, they always seem to find the hot hand and get them open shots. So whatever Jenkins is doing is, is creating the looks that we need. Um, but I still think in today's NBA, we've got to have more three-point attempts in the game uh, for us to be able to keep up because we fall behind at times when we give up so many three-point shots. Uh, so we need to find a way to create some more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think in particular, Grayson Allen does an extraordinary job of like relocating and making sure that he's firing the right amount of threes against his total field goals. His uh, three-point rate right now is 66.7%, so it's about two-thirds of his shots are threes. That is second only to Troy Daniels, who was like – he was shooting like 70% of his shots for threes. 
I would like to see Bain trend more towards Grayson as a three-point shooter and is the, the volume that he's shooting at rather than De'Anthony Melton. De'Anthony Melton's going to get a lot of looks off cuts. He's going to get a lot of looks off pull-ups. We've seen him evolve as a pull-up shooter tremendously. But uh, Desmond Bain, he's a really good shooter. He He's really good at getting like straight-line drives to the rim. But at the end of the day, you do want him to get some more spot up attempts to where he is firing more threes towards that 60 to 68 three point rate, because he is your best three point shooter on the team. And he's also the guy that if you had to rank it, it would probably be Melton Bain Grayson, like Melton and Bain are going to be competing to end up being the potential two guard next to John Moran down the line. So with, especially Desmond Bain, I think that he should really look to increase his th- three-point rate. But uh, one thing I want to get into also, we talked about the three-point shot, and it seems like the, the Grizzlies' offense in particular, and I noticed this against Boston, when the Grizzlies, their uh, shot portfolio, it was either threes, uh, shots in the paint, free throws, and they only had six mid-range points. And that all came in overtime, all from – mid-range extraordinaire Dylan Brooks. But I do want to ask you with this kind of dynamic where it's either, all right, so we're either going to get a three, we're either going to get a floater, or one of the Jays between Jonas and Ja are going to go find a bucket in the paint. Do you see it as more predictable, efficient, or just overall simple? It To me, it seems simple. I, I remember watching the game last night um, against the Bulls. And I, I just started recognizing the same sets just over and over and over again. And they were still getting the looks. I mean, you got to think Valanciunas is a big, wide dude. So when he sets a screen, um, you're going to create some openings when the guys run around them. Um, Grayson Allen is a guy who does a fantastic job when he uh, approaches the ball screen off ball and catches the ball, how he cuts so hard off of that screen towards the basket. Um, and he just leaves his guy in the dust at that point. Um, Dylan getting his mid-range jumpers, uh, as long as he's not fading away on those, like that's his sweet spot. Like that little leaner, like that leaner yes. around the elbow. Yeah, he, he G- does give a me really that. nice touch on that. Yes. Okay, so- now I'm going to screen record this, and I'm going to keep this forever. All right, <laughs> perfect. I'll use this against you. But oh, no, man. keep going, keep going, man. So I think as far as if we just get the guys to their sweet spots, it doesn't matter where it is. Um, if it's Tyus and his floater – let's create that shot. If it's Dylan in the mid-range, let's create that shot. If it's jogging to his floater, let's create – like wherever their sweet spot is, I think that's the goal. And I think Jenkins has done a pretty decent job of, of putting sets in and the overall offense, uh, letting that happen. Because what I've noticed is the the big, whoever it is, Tillman, um, Valanciunas, Clark, whoever's the five at the time, is the one who usually inbounds the ball. And our guards get down the floor. They come down, they set either an off-ball screen or a uh, an on-ball screen from Morant or Tyus, and then the roll happens at that point or another off-ball screen happens. So they're trying to create that perimeter look early or that drive early, and if it's not there, then our big gets down into the post and we play through that. Um, it's, it is – I guess it could be predictable, but at the same time – you can predict that Anthony Davis is going to take the same shot over and over again, but if it works, it works. Um, so I think they should just keep doing simple. Um, 
because until it's stopped, it doesn't matter how predictable it is. Absolutely. And I really do like the point that you hit on about just getting to your spots, because I know there's been people that complain, I guess. I don't know if complain's the right word about them taking too many floaters. They lead the league in short mid-range frequency. They're the only team shooting 30% of their shots from the short mid. And I kind of consider that more the floater zone. But like you said, like that's Ty's his shot. And for like Brandon Clark, that's his shot. Plus coming off the roll, that's his shot too. And I think this whole thing of building simple sets to maximize their players' strengths while they've just been having this constant revolving door of injuries has been really good as far as keeping the momentum alive and just not like you're, you're not really seeing like if somebody goes down, there's not just like a tremendous regression. Like when John Morant was out, they went four and four. And because that's, they played to their guys' strength. They played to Tyus Jones' strength, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark. They played to those guys' strength. And I think it's been a good part in just keeping the machine running. Cause I mean, we've had stretches of the season where like, We've had to run John Conchar in the rotation, Killian Tilly, Sean McDermott, and the Grizzlies are still winning games because they're keeping things simple and they're playing to their strengths. And I think that's really what's fueled this little push, this play-in, playoff push. We'll call it playoff now. They're not 9 and 10 anymore. They're 8. We'll call it a playoff push. And I'm just excited to see what it looks like when they get Jaron Jackson Jr. back because the offense is clicking. And I think a big part, too, is you've seen leaps from the role players, especially the guys that we're talking about. So when it comes to getting him back, do you see much changing in the offense? Man, I'm glad you asked because if you didn't, I was going to bring this up anyways. Can you imagine being on offense – a five-out offense with John Morant as your point guard. It, it's you know, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I, I've told you my uh, my offensive dream, right? Where I want it to be where you have – so you have about five out, but you have like Ja, D'Anthony Melton. Uh, we'll say Dylan Brooks, but you can throw in Kyle Anderson or Destin Bain at the three. You got Brandon Clark at the four being the roller. And then you have Jaron Jackson Jr. just roaming, ready for three-point shots. I, I think that's just a very fun offense that maximizes the strength of this team. Um, imagine this. Imagine it being John Morant, DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr. See, that? that's just galaxy brain. That's my brand of basketball right there. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's it's beautiful. Like, don't, don't you love just the amount of versatility that's on this team? And you can realistically say, oh, what if we went this small? Like, what, like what's stopping them from going – or even like a big lineup where, like, you have DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, that. that's a fun lineup. And – I think there's just a lot of different combinations that the machine's going to keep running. They're they're going to keep that simplicity because they're going to play to the player's strengths. And one player whose strength I really want to talk about within this offense is Jonas Valanciunas. As I, I, w- I will say, I think when it comes to the JV Hive, I tried to become the president of the JV Hive when – he originally came to Memphis because I'm like, all right, this guy's a good player. Like, why are we acting like we lost the Gasol trade? Like, this is a good player. Like, he can produce. 
but I want to like you've taken that mantle from me. You are the president <laughs> of the JV Hive in Memphis. I will say that, and it's just fun to see because everybody was doubting him. It's like you know, he's an old school center. He can't space the floor, can't defend in the pick and roll. All that stuff may be true, but I'm going to quote Zach Lowe here. So he was on a podcast with Doris Burke, and he was about how much he loves the Grizzlies and how Jonas Valanciunas just effing mauls people. I think he said effing. It was bleeped out because ESPN, but it's just been very fun. As we saw like last night against Nikola Vucevic and the other night against Damanis Savonis, and now setting a franchise record for consecutive double-doubles. I mean, he's really showing that you can be an old school center and fit in today's modern NBA. And Justin, how do you think that this offense and playing to their strengths, particularly with like the the floor spacing and the progression from outside shooters has maximized Jonas Valanciunas' game where he's a modern day or he's a old school center who is having a career year in the season 2020-2021 as a big man in his late twenties. Yeah. So I think that this isn't even going to be his best year that he ever has. Um, You know, some guys don't hit their prime until his age at 28 years old. Like I think there's still better for Valanciunas to come. Um, As far as this year goes, it has a lot to do with the fact that there are shooters around him. Um, because now the defenses have to pay attention to what's going on on the perimeter with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, mm. And then the, the boldness, the, I guess, you know, the, the basketball mind of John Morant has been so beneficial for Jonas Valanciunas as well. And I, I'm going to bring up the play from the, from the Chicago Bulls game where, they count it as an offensive rebound, but that was clearly an assist. By it, it's Jamba an Rand. assist. Yeah. It's something yeah. that got on Pat locked down. Yeah. That's an assist. Right. And so uh, Valanciunas offers something to this and it's going to come out in the piece that I actually have coming out on Valanciunas. There's two parts that he brings to this team. The Grizzlies lead the NBA in second chance points. And that is almost solely because of what Jonas Valanciunas does on the block. Um, and his offensive rebounding as he's a, I think the number two offensive rebounder or number three offensive rebounder in the NBA right now. And then what he does on defense, um, getting the defensive rebounds, he, so he grabs 33% of the rebounds on defensive opportunities. There's nine other guys on the floor and he's getting one out of every three rebound that you can possibly get that's available. And he, I mean, he starts a fast break and the Grizzlies are the second best fast break team in the league. So his ability to get the rebounds and then immediately kick it out and make the right outlet pass. Like, think about it like this. If if you're Grayson Allen, if you're uh, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, any of these guys that are leaking out ahead of these plays, you can do that because you know Jonas Valanciunas is going to get that rebound and you don't have to go crash. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the team rebounding mindset. We can leak out and use this as a strength of ours. And I think they've done a good job of, of that. Um, but – then the fun part that I sent, uh, I, I texted you about today was the assisted rebound where mm-hmm. guys like Morant or Tyus Jones or, or Brooks or any of these guys that drive in and shoot these floaters, they do that with such confidence because they're like, hey, if I miss this, there's a good chance that Valanciunas' man has had to come off of him to help on me. And Valanciunas is going to be there for an easy offensive rebound and a putback. 
So what he does, so if we're averaging 15 points per game on offensive rebounds and then 15.8 points per game on the fast break, there's 30 points per game that this team is getting that I think Valanciunas has a huge, huge impact on. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very fascinating to see. I know I've said this in, in contrarian because, you know, I'm – I'm y'all's associate editor. I got to challenge ideas every now and then. It's, and I said yesterday, I said, rebounding doesn't mean much when your guy is be, being able to score in the mid-range because you're in drop coverage. Like, that's that's a missed rebound because you're giving up an easy bucket. Or the, the idea of just the Grizzlies' best closing lineup being with Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five because of his mobility to switch and how all those – I know people are going to be like, oh, rebounding, and I think anybody that – loves Valanciunas more than you do somehow will say oh but Jonas can rebound yeah but there's also four other guys on the floor and also too with Jaron switching and typically getting another switchy four in there like Brandon Clark Kyle Anderson or someone they're able to generate more turnovers because it can cause more havoc defensively because of the amount of activity they are doing keeping up with everybody in switches or different coverages stuff like that but nonetheless it's just produce some very fun basketball because I mean we've seen it in Memphis before like we relished a dude who just beat the absolute crap out of his opponent every night and you know you don't see a lot of that in today's NBA anymore and Jonas Valanciunas is kind of taking us back to the old days and putting up some of the best rebounding numbers we've ever seen and that's saying a lot because I think the Grizzlies actually have like a top 25 to 50 rebounder all time with Zach, Zach Randolph. Sorry if I sounded like a, a Nathan Chester there with my hyperbolic claims, but I mean, Randolph was an awesome rebounder. And the fact that they're, they actually have somebody that's a better one. That's insane. Yeah. And, and, and Valanciunas isn't getting his on the Z bounds where he misses a little chip. He gets it and goes back up misses it again and gets three rebounds in one play. Valanciunas is really earning his rebounds. He'll get his, his Z bounds, you know, every once in a while, but when he's about to, to, break the franchise record for rebounds per game in a season, which is, I think, 12.3. And the percentages. Yeah. Yeah. And the percentages. Like, he's grabbing more available rebounds than Zach Randolph ever did. Yeah. And to your point on the defense, like, even though I'm the president of the JV High, like, I recognize, and I've recognized it early in the season, his refusal to show high on the screens. And it, and when you are playing somebody like Chris Paul, who is a mid-range killer, you can't have that. And if we had to face mm. the Suns in the playoffs, I, I'm not sure. This is where the whole conversation comes down to starter versus closer. Does it matter who starts if we, you know, get who's closing? Start Valanciunas. Let's let's have him out there secure rebounds early. Get him going early. Let him eat. But when mm. we close in the playoffs, you, I think you have to close with Jaron Jackson. I, I don't think mm -hmm. there's a, a route where Valanciunas is on the floor in the last four, three to four minutes of a game. Absolutely. And Justin, we're about running out of time here. But as this show goes live, it'll be game day. The Grizzlies will be playing the Dallas Mavericks at 8.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Really awesome that we're going to get John Luke on national TV. That's just great. But, uh, Justin, just give us a bold prediction on tonight's game. We're not even uh, just bold, just a prediction. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say that um, Fallon Tunis goes for a 30-15 uh, game. I like that. I think you're going to really like this prediction here. I, I think Luca and Dylan get chippy. You think Luca's going to get chippy back? Yeah, he's got a little temper. 
Okay. Uh, I think I'll, they're gonna get, I think they're gonna get a little chippy. I, I'm gonna keep away from like any sort of uh, performance prediction because I don't want to jinx anything. But I, I think I think Dylan's gonna get Luca under his under his skin a little bit. I think he's gonna kind of grind his gears. I, I like that. Um, we, we actually need that to happen. Yes, uh, we do need that to happen. Yes, because Luca is unbelievable. But it's it's an important game. Uh, they're directly ahead of us in the standings, and we we need to win uh, every game we can against Dallas. Uh, because if we can with with uh, Jamal Murray getting hurt, the Grizzlies have a real opportunity to possibly steal the sixth seed. So we need to win this one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and Justin, that's about all the time we have. Do you just want to plug anything away before we close the show? Uh, make sure you check out uh, Parker's two-parter on our, our three-point shooting. I got a piece on Jonas Valanciunas coming out um, as the president. It's pretty on, on brand there. Um, and make sure you're checking out all the podcasts that we have on our network. Absolutely. Yeah, make sure you're checking out Justin's work, especially with the 3&D podcast. Him and Ben Hogan put some great content out there, especially if you like sports betting. Like they, They're the podcast that talks about sports betting. They're the guys you need to rely on on that. But also, too, just they, they do a tremendous job of putting together that podcast weekly. And, yeah, read read our pieces on GBB Live or GBB today because, you know, I like three-point shooting. Y'all like Jonas Valanciunas, and y'all got mad at Joe the other night for him calling out his <laughs> flaws. So GBB will have something positive on Jonas Valanciunas that you need to read. So make sure y'all do that. Make sure y'all follow me on Twitter at Pac underscore Flocka. Follow Justin on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. Make sure you're following the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies and make sure you're following the podcast at the Core 4 Podcast with the number four, not the word four. And make sure you are subscribing, downloading, leaving reviews for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Justin, you know how we close out, right? Don't. Uh, what, what was the shirt that Anthony Davis wore on his final game in New Orleans? I don't it's remember. From a, it's from a Looney Tunes cartoon. You don't remember? That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Yeah. 